Good morning, everyone. Kevin here from Skywatcher. Welcome to another episode of the What's Up webcast. We do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. Um, if you like what you see here on the What's Up webcast, please go ahead and leave a like uh, or subscribe on our videos. It really does let us know that we're doing a good job um, and you appreciate what you see. Um, and thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, like I said, we do this every Friday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific. And speaking of Fridays, it is January 13th, 2023. Uh, so any information that you also get today in today's episode, please understand that this is um, recorded in January 13th, Friday the 13th of 2023. So if you're watching in the future, things may change. Um Real quick, just to let you guys know, um, this will be changing. I'm pretty much getting ready to have the process of moving start, uh, a bunch of stuff going on. Um, so the layout and the studio and the background, all that's probably going to be changing here in the next few weeks. So if you don't see the fish tank anymore, that's what happened. Um, just moving around. Um, so yeah, if you see some changes, that's what's going on. Um, yeah all right so uh today we're doing a kind of a recap episode we were gonna do this uh, at the end of the year uh last year but we had some new product that we wanted to kind of go over and talk about um oh i'm sorry real quick i jumped ahead um if you're doing the skywatcher totem uh, target of the month uh there's a bunch of you who have not received patches from last year um, either we missed you or something like that. I will let you know that we are in the process of getting all those patches shipped out. We were waiting for a new sleeve of patches to arrive. Um, those have been here. Um, we're just getting everybody's information together to mail those out. So we are in the process of mailing out, um, all the final, uh, totem 2022 patches. So if you haven't received yours yet, we didn't forget about you. Um, we just needed more patches. So we have more patches. They are making their way out. So don't worry about it. And then, of course, we are starting to receive um, entries for the 2023 uh, patch as well So uh, for January. So anyway, um, go ahead. Go over to skywatchusa.com under media and check out what the target of the month is. Um, they're all up there, all the rules and regulations of how to do it. And uh, there's the patches, but if you have not received your 2022 patch, we are working on getting those out right now. Uh, also, if you need some cool swag for your Skywatcher products, you can go over to skywatcher.threadless.com and check out our swags store. It's got all kinds of cool stuff up there, uh, matching shirts for different products and whatever you are into. So go over there, check that out. Uh, we appreciate you um, as well. All right, now let's get back into it. Uh, so like I said, at the end of the last year, we were planning on doing this episode, but then we had some new product come up that we wanted to talk about. Now that 2022 is over and we've announced all of that, this is just a recap episode of all the cool things that happened in 2022. Um, so that's what we're going to go over. Uh, if you have any questions on these products, you can always throw them in the chat. I will try to get to everyone's questions at some point. Um, I know there's a question right there that's got some product questions. Um, We'll get to that question a little bit later um, as well. It looks like so our guys have already taken care of it anyway. But um, yeah, so let's get started. 
So one of the big uh, things that we obviously announced was only a few weeks ago was our new CQ350 mount. Um, by the way, these are in stock if you want one. Uh, the first shipment has already disappeared, but the second shipment just arrived. Um, so you can get one of these uh, mounts. Um, hopefully, I know some of you are kind of waiting to hear reviews on them. They're working on it. We've, we have, we're working on getting review samples out there for people to check out. Um, and anybody who's like, oh, you just cherry pick them. Uh, we pull them off of a pallet and then we ship them out the door. That's about as close to cherry picking as it's going to get. It's a random draw. Um, but there should be reviews coming out in the near future. It's just a new mount. So, uh, so this is our CQ350. We have a whole episode uh, we just did on this a couple weeks ago if you want to know more. Um, it's a 77-pound payload capacity mount. It has spring-loaded worm gears, um, both on the right ascension and declination. Uh, belt drive on both axes. Uh, it does have the built-in snap port for DSLR and mirrorless control on there if you want to do that. And then you can use the hand controller as an intervalometer um, to control your mirrorless or DSLR camera. Um, the nice thing about this mount, why it's become kind of my favorite mount in our lineup, is the head only weighs about 33 pounds. So it's actually slightly lighter than the EQ6R, but it holds almost twice the weight of an EQ6R. It has big old six inch or 150 millimeter diameter gears in there. So it's, it is made to handle some payload. Um, in the picture there, you can see the, uh, Esprit 150. Um, that's kind of my particular rig of choice. You could easily put, um, a 14 inch like Schmidt Cassegrain on here if you wanted to, or like our big Quattro 300 Newtonian. Um, it can handle some serious stuff. So, um, and we do sell it as the mount head alone if you want to mount it in an observatory or on a pier. Um, or you can get it with the, the big tripod there as well. Um, the tripod, speaking of which, is 34.5 pounds. Um, so it's a hefty tripod, but it's not terribly heavy um, for as much weight and how big of a mount as it is. Especially if you compare it to its smaller brother, the EQ6R. Um, it's quite a step in the right direction about being a bit lighter, but still holding more payload. Uh, so that's the 350. Um, as far as cable management goes, we do have all the major cable management uh, features in there. Um, underneath the saddle, we do have the USB uh, ports. Um, there is power ports, 2.1 millimeter power ports and three auxiliary uh, cables, uh, plug ports. And then that comes out on the right ascension just above the RA gear. And all the major ports are there. So you have through mount cabling, which means you don't have any uh, cable drag, which is a huge problem in imaging, especially nowadays with uh, motor focusers and filter wheels and camera coolers and guiders and all kinds of stuff. You have a ton of cables um, to go off of that. Um, onboard homing sensors on the right ascension and declination. So it makes it a perfect mount for remote imaging. If you lose power, you can just go back on, home the mount, and it's, ha it's a happy camper again. Um, Built-in USB for direct connection to computers. I know there's some technical questions popping up. I'll get to those as soon as I can. Um, Built-in USB um, for direct connection to a PC. Um, so it's got all the modern day features that you would want in a major imaging mount. 
Um, of course, if you want to go back and learn all the features and all the details of the CQ350, we do have a whole episode, a whole hour episode dedicated to the mount um, where you can learn all about it um, and all of its technical uh, stuff. Uh, real quick, just before these get too far down um, into the comments, question, how good will an Acromat be for narrowband on starless nebula photos? Um I mean, technically it's Acromat, so you should be able to do narrowband imaging without much of an issue because you're you're being very selective with the filters. Um, the focus positions are probably going to be different, so you probably want to make sure you have like a focus motor on there um, to really dial in where the focus is going to be. Um, obviously, if you're doing like Oxygen 3 because it is an Acromat, the focus point of O3 is going to be further out. Um, then say like sulfur and hydrogen, which are over in the red. So you have different focus positions. I might also wonder how tight the stars are going to be in the oxygen three, as opposed to the H alpha and the S two, uh, cause those are in the red part of the spectrum. Uh, the short answer is yes, it should probably be fine. As long as you're using a monochrome camera and not a multi-band color camera. If you're using a color camera with a multi-band narrowband filter, your the stars are not going to look good. You're still going to have fringing. The O3 technically or any of the blue is not going to be in the same focus position as say the reds. Um, so as long, I think someone said this as well, as long as you're using uh, a monochrome camera and you're focusing for each filter position, it should be okay. It'd be an interesting experiment, um, but I've never done it. So um, I have a problem with my Evolux 82ED. It's a bad chromatic aberration when I use without the focal reducer flattener. What's up with my scope or the optics problem? Uh, oh, you're in Belgium. Uh, first off, if you have any issues um, with your Skywatcher product and you're outside of the U.S. and Canada, you need to talk to your local distributor. Um, Skywatcher USA, um, which is us, um, we only handle Canada and North America and the United States at the moment. Um, so you'd need to speak. If there's an actual problem with your product, you'd have to speak to your distributor to take care of that. The Evolux focal reducer flatteners do have a higher grade of glass inside of them that match up with the optics, which can help uh, correct some of the star images. Um, but it just depends what's going on with your in particular sample. Um, so I'd probably talk to your local distributor and get that scope checked out to make sure something's not out of whack with it. That would be my perspective on it. Um, can you tell me what the exact size of the Virtuoso focuser thread on the Virtuoso 90, what the rear threads are like on the back cell, um, or on the, you Probably the best way to answer that is to send a picture to support at skywatchusa.com with an arrow pointing to exactly what threads you want to know. And then we can get it to you there. Um, Cause there's a couple different threads on the back of that telescope. There's ones on the back cell and then there's the ones on the back of the visual back. So I would send a picture, have an arrow that clearly marks what threads you want to know and email that to support at skywatchusa.com. And then we can get that. Okay, moving on. Um, oh, a six-inch Virtuoso GTI. Oh, 
big, big threads. I don't know the thread pitch for that. I would have to find out exactly the diameter and what the pitch is for those. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, so next product we've got that we introduced this year, which is probably one of our most, po uh, most popular, is the Star Adventure GTI. Um, a lot of people for a long time wanted a go-to version of our, our little tracker. Um, and we finally got around to making one. It actually was in development for quite a long time. Um, and we just couldn't tell you about it. It took a few years to get this mount, um, finalized. Um, and it was in development for a while and a lot of people were asking about it, but we couldn't tell you about it. Um, but we were excited that was, it's finally done and it's out and, uh, there are more, there are more on the way. Um, we're trying to get them as fast as possible. Uh, but anyway, so the Star Adventure GTI, again, we have an episode on this one as well. It's 11 pound payload capacity. It's full go-to and tracking, unlike the 2i or the Mini, which are just trackers, little right ascension drives. This is a full go-to mount. Um, has a built-in illuminated polar scope, and the reticle, like all of our other mounts, is aligned or collimated to the center axis of the mount. You don't have to mess with the reticle when you buy them. Um, has a built-in USB-B port for direct PC connection. Um, if you're using an ASI Air, you can also use an EQ mod cable, which I actually prefer because I like the serial connection, that lock-in connection of a, of a serial, I think is better than USBs. Um, it is a V-style saddle, so any standard V-style dovetail plate should work. Um, these are highly portable mounts. They're, they're made to be, you could take it on an airplane, the nice thing about the Star Adventure GTI, like the rest of the Star Adventure family, is it uses a standard 3.8 thread on the bottom of the mount. So you can you actually use it on your favorite photo tripod as long as you have that more pro level 3.8 thread, not a quarter 20. Um, you could get an adapter that steps up to 3.8 from quarter 20, but um, you can adapt this to your favorite photo tripod. We do sell the head on its own um, if you want that. Um, or you can get it as the whole kit with the tripod there, either one. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for a very, very compact, very lightweight go-to mount, this is kind of what you're looking for. These will be very popular for the eclipses that are coming up, by the way, um, as with the rest of the Star Adventurer family. But if you want something that's full go-to, this is the one to, to go with. Um, it does have a low latitude capability. You can move the counterweight bar right now in this particular picture. It's in that uh, straight position um, but there's another mounting thread position right here just in front of the lower position where it pushes the, the counterweight bar out to an angle which will help you clear lower latitudes um, if you need to get way down there um, if you're starting to get closer and closer to uh, the equator at that point which we've had people complain about um, in the past that's the reason why we're trying to listen and make sure that we do have that capability to go to a lower latitude the cq350 is actually the same design um, as well it's just this is a lot smaller so uh, we do have the low latitude capability um, it does have built-in wi-fi control so you can use it with our apps you can use it with sky safari um, and then, of course, if you want something that's a little bit more tactile, you can actually get a standard V5 hand controller or a SynScan controller, and you can plug it in. Just like any of our other equatorial mounts, it works just fine um, if you want a more tactile experience uh, rather than using an app or a smart device. So uh, that is the Star Adventure GTI. It can run off of 12-volt power. 
um, or it has uh, room for eight double A's built in if you don't want to deal with any external power. Um, that's kind of nice to have if you're looking for a streamlined uh, setup for it with a Star Adventure GTI. So hopefully that helps you um, with that. We do um, have more of these on the way um, at the moment. So um, if you're waiting on one, there are more coming. So just a heads up. Uh, next up was the Heritage 150. Uh, so we've made the Heritage 130 for years. Um, our little 130 tabletop collapsible daub. It's a 5-inch F5. Those have been very, very popular telescopes for quite a while. Um, but we could grow it. So that's that's what this is. This is the Heritage 150. Um, it's a 6-inch, 150-millimeter parabolic mirror, 750-millimeter focal length or F5. Um, it's a collapsible tube, so it kind of seals up on itself, which is very nice. Um, one of the big things that I like about these telescopes is they are fully collimatable. What happens when you get these less expensive telescopes that shall not be named, um, they, they don't really set you up to learn how to properly take care of the telescope. Maybe the primary is fixed, or you can't collimate the secondary, or you can't collimate it at all. Um, you're going to have to learn at some point, especially if you're going to be an owner of a Newtonian like this or a Dobsonian, you need to know how to properly use your telescope. And collimation is just part of that process, and it's not difficult. Um, but the sooner you learn it, the less scary it becomes. Uh, so that's kind of a big thing, at least for me, on a beginner telescope. Is it A beginner telescope, in my opinion, should have all the features of a larger instrument so you can learn how to take care of it correctly because you want to learn on the less expensive stuff. And then as you go up, that's not such a scary mystery anymore. Um, so the Heritage 150, just like its smaller brother, the 130 is fully collimatable. Um, we do have a quarter 20 uh, rotating helical focuser on there and 90 94% reflectivity coatings on these. Um, so very good quality um, optical system on these telescopes, especially for what they cost um th these are not a toy um these are a real you know telescope this is a fully functional um, instrument and with six inches of light gathering power that's a lot of light gathering capability you can get into galaxies you can pretty much to the entire messier catalog um, and a hefty portion of some of the more advanced uh, catalogs of objects with a telescope like this especially if you get to dark skies a six inch like this is going to keep you busy for a long time so um, if you're looking for a portable little telescope the heritage 150 is actually quite nice doesn't weigh a lot it can go on a tabletop um, some people put it on a little uh, bin if you're going to use it and then they use the bin for storage um, but you're getting a full six inch telescope um, in a very compact package and you've got some serious optics to back you up to do some nice work with it um, unlike less expensive telescopes. You want to make sure you're getting a quality instrument to get into the hobby. You don't want to get frustrated, throw it in the closet, and never touch it again because the telescope just wasn't up to the par. Um, that's kind of the point of the heritage is it's a quality scope, and you're learning the right way from the beginning. 
Uh, to advance that a little bit for, oh, what, what retail for the Heritage 150? That's a good question. I don't have it off the top of my head. Let's find out together, though. Uh, Expo products. All this is on our website if you ever want to know. Mm, where is it? Heritage 150. Heritage 150 is currently retail for $310. Is that all? Wow. I thought they were actually more. It's been a while since I've actually looked it up, but yeah, so for $310, okay. Yeah, $310 for a Heritage uh, 150. A, I don't remember them being that low, but it's been a while since I've looked at it. So um, yeah, for like 300 bucks, you have a six inch, like a real six inch telescope. You can do some serious deep sky observing with that. Um, so lucky you um if you want to advance that even further however this year later in the year we actually unveiled the virtuoso gti series which takes those same heritage tubes the 130 and the 150 and pairs them with a brand new virtuoso base and the virtuosos were computerized um and you kind of had to do this weird multi-button thing in order to make it uh, work the way you wanted to. Well, we completely redid it um, to where now it's go-to, completely go-to, Wi-Fi. Um, it has a lot of the capabilities of, like, say, the AZ GTI. Um, we just converted that uh, to be more of, like, a DAW base um, at that point. So... The Virtuoso GTI series is basically a go-to heritage 130 or heritage 150 um so you can get it in five or six inch they're both f5s um the nice thing about f5 is you don't have a ton of coma like you would if you got you head down more to f4 um so at f5 it's pretty well corrected you can use pretty much any kind of eyepiece and they'll be relatively forgiving um, these are the same collapsible tubes, so they shrink down on each other and then the cap goes on and it seals up the whole optic system for travel. Uh, they are the same fully collimatable um, optics. They do have the inch and a quarter rotating helical focuser and they do have the 94% reflectivity coatings. And like I said before, these are full go-to. They've got motors on board, um, their Wi-Fi control, and they do have the freedom find encoders. And the cool thing about freedom find, particularly like a telescope like this, is you can loosen the clutches. Once everything's aligned, you can loosen the clutches, move it around like a typical Dobsonian, but you won't lose your alignment. So then if you want to use the go-to or go back to tracking, you can tighten those down and the telescope won't lose its alignment. It knows where it's at. Um, so that's the Virtuoso GTI series. Um, these do have a tripod mounting block on the bottom of them. So they have a, a, a plastic block on the bottom of the base that has a 3-8 thread. So if you don't want to use it on a tabletop, which is can be obnoxious, especially if you're going out to the desert or there's no there's, you're not going to like a camping spot where there's no table. If you want to use it more of a telescope, it's raised up. The nice thing about the Virtuoso GTI series is they do have that block. You can get a nice photo tripod or even like the Star Adventurer tripod that we sell and just thread it on using that block under there. And it's going to raise it up and treat it more of like a typical telescope at that point. So there are ways to get this up off the ground. It's not just the tabletop setup at this point. So uh, that's the Virtuoso GTI series. 
Uh, those are very nice. They've been very popular. So if you're looking for a go-to uh, five or six inch telescope, and these are pretty budget friendly as well, you can go over to our website and check them out. Actually, it's there in the chat. Uh, you can pick up as of today, which is January 13th, 2023, a 130 is $435 and 150, the 150 is 470. So for under 500 bucks, you have a five inch or six inch go-to Newtonian. And they're really just designed to get out there and do observing, but there are people out there um, I don't know the gentleman's name, but there is a YouTube channel where there's a gentleman who is using one of these, I think it's the 150 to do astrophotography and he's taken some pretty impressive work with it, with these modern cameras and short exposures. So, you know, there's cool things that you can do with them. I mean, they're under 500 bucks, so it's pretty sweet. So that's the Virtuoso GTI series, um, kind of nice. So. Uh, these, yes, you can connect a controller to these. Um, they have the capability to plug in a hand controller if you, again, want that tactile control. You can do that. Uh, they do have a battery pack with for double A's if you don't want to be running uh, power cables on them as well. So there is a couple different things that you can actually do um, if you need to, if you want a different experience with these. Uh, next up is our Evolux ED series. Uh, this is our newest collection of APO refractors. These actually sit between the Evo Star and the Esprit. Um, their cosmetics are a little bit different. They've got a different optic set on them. Uh, and they're just a different approach uh, to that. They use a faster ED doublet optic. Um, the 64 is, or I'm sorry, the 62 is f6.4 and the 82 is also f6.4. So 400 and 530 millimeters. Um, these are matched doublets with a synthetic uh, fluorite element on the rear. These do have retractable dew shields, which is a nice feature. It makes them more compact. Uh, they do have a clamshell. They do have two finder brackets. Um, we are in the process of trying to get a handle for them because there is a handle made for them. So we're seeing if we can get that maybe here in the future. Uh, they do have a brand new 2.4 inch uh, dual speed rack and pinion focuser with compression rings, um, which is very nice. Um, it's a bit of an upgrade from our traditional uh, Crayford styles that you see on the Evo Star series. Um, these are a little bit beefier. Uh, they don't have a rotator on them, but they are a little bit beefier and they do have that compression ring um, instead of little thumb screws to like mar things up. So the compression ring is actually a nice fit. Like I said, there's finder brackets in the picture here. Um, you don't see the two, but there are two on the back of the clamshell. So there's one for say a finder, or maybe you wanna put a red dot plus a finder, or if you're imaging with them, maybe you're putting an ASI Air and a guider on them. There's a couple different options that you can do, but we put, have multiple mounting points on the clamshell to be accommodating of various accessories. Um, they do come with a travel case, um, which is nice. It comes right out of the box. Um, and they do have a matched 0.9x reducer flattener, which has a rotator that comes in the box. So the adapter to adapt the flattener is also a rotator assembly where you can also put a two inch filter into the light path um, if you wanna go ahead and do that. Let's see, does the Evo Star rotator work on the Evo Lexus? No, the Evo, so we do make a rotator for the uh, Evo Star. 
Um, sorry. Uh, got too much going on here. Uh, so there, we do make a rotator adapter for the Evo Star and their rot and their flattener reducers. That one only works on those telescopes. The Evo Luxes, when you buy the dedicated reducer flattener for whatever the model is, the 62 or the 82, in the box, you will also get that rotator. It's not an extra piece at this point. It's all one part. So um, these telescopes are also in stock. They're very lightweight. My favorite, honestly, is the 62. It's adorable. It's super tiny. Um, it's an amazing little grab-and-go telescope, and it's a perfect match if you're doing like a star adventure or star adventure gti it works on nearly all the star adventure series these are both going to be very nice uh telescopes if you're looking to travel for the eclipses that are happening for 20 october of this year and april of next year um these are very nice telescopes that you can pair various filters with um but if you're looking for a really lightweight go-to setup um these are very nice, but the 62 is absolutely adorable um, if you're looking for a tiny little grab-a-go uh, setup, uh, especially when the dew shield collapses. It's a very small little footprint of a telescope, but they are available right now. Another new little thing that we popped out this year was the Quattro 150. Um, now, this is really a nice setup especially if you're looking to get into astrophotography because it addresses a lot of the key questions that people ask for when you're getting into astrophotography uh, this is a six inch f4 parabolic primary so it's already fast it's natively fast um, most telescopes like if you're getting into imaging are going to be f7 f6 um, which isn't bad, especially with a modern day camera. Let me use my little calculator here that we have in our scope wizard app. Um, so let's say you're using like one of our 80 ED Evo, Evo star eighties. If you're imaging with that, you're, you might be using a reducer. The reducer drops that to about F 6.3, which isn't bad. Um, but an 80 millimeter ED refractor on its own is probably around $1,000. And then you have another two to $300 probably to buy the reducer corrector for whatever that telescope is going to be. So with most 80 ED APO refractors, which is a common collection of telescopes that are now used um, by imagers, you're about $1,300, $1,400 in before you even touch anything else. And you're at f6.3, generally right around there. This little guy right here, the Quattro 150 is f4, um, which means your exposures are gonna be 2.5 times faster than one of those 80 millimeter refractors. And your focal length is probably gonna be pretty similar because that's this is about 600 millimeter focal length and then that's about what it's about five six hundred millimeters for some of these affordable little imaging refractors so for a thousand dollars 
you can spend it for the refractor or for like, these are like, at the time of this recording, these little telescopes are $600. But here's what you get with it, which is kind of cool. Um, so it's a six inch telescope. You can use it visually. Um, we do give you a nice eyepiece. It's a, um, we give you all the stuff with it. Um, you get a 22 millimeter, 70 degree long eye relief eyepiece. Um, we give you the inch and a quarter and two inch adapters and you have a two inch dual speed focuser that you could easily motorize with like a ZWO motor focuser if you want. Um, we give you a six by 30 finder scope and then we also include the coma corrector. So the coma corrector, when you're using a Newtonian, especially for imaging, is a must, especially if it's something as fast as an F4 uh, Newtonian. You, you have to have it um, because of these large sensors nowadays, you're going to get coma out towards the edge of the field and your stars just aren't going to look good. So on our larger Quattros, like the Quattro 200, 250 and 300 we make a coma corrector that's designed for those focal lengths and you have to buy that extra so you know let's say you're 800 in and then you have another 300 for the coma corrector you're over a grand now for some of that for 600 bucks at least at the time of this recording the quattro 150 we give you the coma corrector in there but a nice perk of the coma corrector that comes with this particular model is it actually reduces it down from f4 to f3.4 f3.4 with a modern day like 533 or 2600 camera or you know whatever 533 based sensor camera or a 571 sensor which is the zw 2600 or a qhy variants of that and now you have other camera companies doing it um, let me do the, our little calculation here. So this telescope is $600 or you can go buy one of these little APO refractors for probably over a thousand dollars. Once it's equipped for imaging with its reducer and flattener, let's say you're imaging at F 6.3, this telescope out of the box with the included corrector is F 3.4. Your images are now 3.4 times faster than the refractor is going to be. So you can get th almost three and a half times what you need to do. So uh, your exposures can be three and a half times shorter if you want it, or you can go longer and you're collecting way more data because you have that speed. And that's really kind of the name of the game with the modern cameras too is a lot of these popular cameras like the 533 or the 571 or the big uh, 455, which is the ZWO6200, they're all like 3.8 micron pixels. They're kind of tiny. If you want to match that up to get that one to two arc second per pixel resolution, uh, you, you're going to need something that's kind of in that 600 millimeter ballpark. The Newtonians like the Quattros and similar telescopes are going to give you that and they're going to give you the speed. And if you want to make this even faster or any of the other Quattros faster, you can also go to Star Arizona and buy one of their Nexus coma correctors that will drop any one of our F4 Newtonian Quattros to F3. And the nice thing about it is it's a Newtonian. It's super easy to collimate. They hold collimation well. You can motorize the focuser and you don't have some big hunking camera sitting in the front of your telescope obstructing light. 
switch limits to you if you want to use filter wheels. Um, with a Newtonian, you can, it's all off axis. So it's not in the optical path. So you can put monochrome cameras on here without having a big filter wheel obstructing it. So the Quattro 150 is really designed to be an awesome little turnkey budget-friendly imaging telescope. It's got everything that you need out of the box. You just got to pop your camera on there and put it on your favorite mount. You could probably even put one of these on a harmonic mount because so many people have them now. You could pop one of these guys on a, one of these lightweight harmonic drive mounts if you wanted to do that. Um, someone was asking what the weight of this one is. I want to say, let me just find out. I have a number in my head, but I don't want to say exactly what it is just to make sure I'm not off. Um, so the weight's 12.6 pounds. A fully equipped Quattro 150 is under 13 pounds. There's nothing, especially for a decent size mount. Um, can you guys make dew heater for the secondary? So there's a, there are companies that make dew heaters. Um, AstraZap, some other stuff uh, make dew heaters. Um, but anyway, that was another telescope that we announced this year. Um, that is very budget friendly, uh, but it's a quality instrument, fully collimatable. It's fast. If you happen to be into night vision like myself, these are a fun little telescope to put a night vision, uh, eyepiece on because they're fast. The F4 wide field is pretty nice to have. Um, so if you're looking for a telescope to pop that on, I can attest to this, but, uh, the Quattro 150 is really designed to be an intro telescope, um, a fast little thing. How well will F3 work with a six, yeah, six nanometer at F3 is perfectly fine. Um, you really start having problems with narrow band filters as you get down to kind of the three nanometer range. And a lot of companies now are making offset uh, ultra narrow band filters like those F3 nanometer bandpass filters um, to be better accommodating for faster optical systems like the F3s or the F2s, like the Rasas and the Hyperstars. Um, but at six nanometers, F3 is, you're wide enough to where you're not gonna have any shift or clipping um, from your narrowband filter at that speed. You could probably even go to five or four and a half nanometers before you start running into some of them you can actually go down to F3, but at six nanometers, you're okay. Um, plenty fine at F3. Uh, let's see. I think that was actually it. That went a lot faster than I thought. Yeah, that was the last uh, thing. I know there's a couple questions in here, so I'll try um, to answer some of these real quick. Um, if you have questions, now would be the time to to do it we blew through that episode a lot faster than i thought um let's see do the cq 350s have a spot for the pole masters uh there technically is an off-axis uh polar scope for a cq 350 that we're probably looking at bringing in maybe this year i gotta look into that more uh but there are threads for that to mount so i'm sure there will be an adapter somewhere for someone to put a pole master on a CQ 350, it's would not be difficult uh, to do that at all. Even if you just 3D printed one, 
for those of you who are waiting on star adventures we do have some coming in star adventure gtis um we will have some coming in april and then we should be caught up with any kind of back orders by june of this year um so that's kind of where we're at with uh, the star adventure gti they just been immensely popular so they are out there in the wild um, but sometimes it is difficult to keep them because they are very popular but there are more on the way we're trying to get as many as we can um, so if you have one on order april is kind of where it's looking like but by june we should be out of the back order situation to where you could probably get one whenever you want hopefully uh any plans on bringing the az gtix uh, to canada i got one from flo for my six inch um so we looked at the az gtix we have a sample of one at the moment we had no plans to bring it into north america because there just wasn't enough difference between the original az gti and the ix um for those of you who don't know, the AZ GTI X is a larger version of the AZ GTI. Um, it has about a 13 pound payload capacity and it has ability to do telescopes on either side. So it's it it's like a AZ EQ5 in a way where it can have two telescopes on it. Um, it cannot be used equatorially. Please don't try like they do with the smaller AZ GTI just from what we found we didn't find there was enough difference between the gti and the gtix to have them both but if we get a bunch of people who don't like that thought then maybe we'll have to look into it but right now if there are no plans to have them in the us and canada at the moment um but that could change uh let's see we talked a bit about that um, I did talk a little bit about because I've been using it. Um, we do have our own app out um, for those of you who haven't seen it. Let me see if I can hold on just a sec. Um, it's a free app. It's on Apple and Android. It is our Scope Wizard app. Um, it has all kinds of cool calculations on it. It lets you figure out the speed difference, which was what I was using earlier. If you want to know the difference between like F7 and F4, um, you can calculate that. Um, telescope specifications for aperture like your your limiting magnitude all that stuff is in there magnification all that is in there it's just a big astronomy calculator um, app it's got all kinds of calculations and it is free it's available on Android and iOS it's called scope wizard um, just look for this little can't really see it there but it's a, a green wand um, logo and that is uh, free you can go download that on any of your devices there and it allows you to have all kinds of different calculations because um, I have a calculator on my computer and I brought that up. Some of you have seen it here on the webcast. You're like, how do I get that calculator? Um, so rather than making it a calculator that we just threw on our website, we made it an app. So now you can just carry it with you and do all kinds of fun stuff and calculate a lot of things. And I actually find it comes up a lot more handy than you might think. Um, so especially in the field but the scope wizard that's also a new thing that came out this year you can go download that anytime you want that's free um, like i said that's available on android and the ios uh, let's see would you guys be making an f2 scope in the future um i'll never say no um we won't be making anything in particular i know we all look for um 
we always look for new ideas. Here's my thought on F2 telescopes. Um, there certainly is a demand and a need um, that people are looking for when you're shooting that fast. Obviously, there's the Hyperstar, there's the Rasa. There's a lot of very fast optical systems out there. And certainly being at F2 is very helpful if you're trying to do short exposures and get a lot of data in a short amount of time. F2 is quite handy. Honestly, but there are challenges that come with being an F2 system. Collimation is a lot more critical. Tilt becomes way more obvious. Um, at that speed, you just do not have a lot of room to be sloppy about things. You have to pay attention to what's going on. Um, so right now, I am not aware that Skywatcher is doing anything that fast. Um, right now, F4 is our fastest optical system with the, the Quattros. Uh, I don't think anything needs to be really that fast. F2 is quite fast. Um, and quite frankly, with any of these modern cameras, like I said, the 533 or the 571 or the 455, those three sensors from Sony have like 80 or 90% QE on them. They are ridiculously sensitive cameras. So even at F5, a modern day camera will blow away what we've been able to do in like five years ago. So the cameras have gotten so good that you don't really need to be stupid fast like F2. If you pair them together, obviously the results are ridiculous. Um, but you don't need to be that fast. I could see us maybe doing stuff more in the F3s because it's a lot easier to work with an F3 system. Um, it's not as extreme, and you also don't have to be limited on the filters that you use. Um, you can get away with more of those really narrow band filters if you'd like. So right now, I don't know of anything that's going to be really fast coming from Skywatcher. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I don't see the whole development process. But I could see us focusing more on like the F3 region, um, to be quite honest, just because I think there's more designs that would be available in the F3 arena, if that makes sense. So at the moment, no, I don't see anything that's F2 in the future, but I could be wrong. So um, can you run a CQ350 without the hand controller similar to the current EQ6s? Yes, actually the, e the CQ350 has the same motor board as the EQ6R and the EQ8R. So if you can run an EQ6 from the USB or if you're just running it with an EQ mod cable, you can do the exact same thing with a CQ350. It's no different because the brain inside of there is exactly the same motorboard. So that's kind of the cool thing about our our stuff. Uh, recently, we've kind of streamlined what boards we use. So the same motorboard can be used in a variety of different mounts, which makes repairs a lot easier, which makes manufacturing easier. And we can just put one robust board in there rather than having a unique one for all these different mounts. It makes it a lot easier to just provide service and support. When you have one more motor board, you can just flip some switches and it's, it's different um, for each mount. So if you're used to an EQ6R, the same protocols apply to a CQ350 or even an EQ8R, just a bigger mount. So nothing fancy.
Um, if there's anything that you're looking to buy, you can buy through our website right now as well. You can also go with your favorite dealer. We will never ever say not to because having a good relationship with your dealer is also very helpful. Um, let me transition myself. There we go. Um, let's say you want something, you can go over, let's say you want an Evolex. If they're in stock, there you go. You can go right there onto our website, hit add to cart and you're ready to go. So you can buy through our website as well as through your favorite dealer as well if you're looking to buy some Skywatcher uh, hardware. Um, let me see, a bunch of questions today. How much does the 10 inch Quattro improve the view over the eight inch Quattro? Um, well, let's go with light gathering capability on that one because that's the only way you can really equate uh, the differences between the two telescopes. If I could figure out where I put my calculator. Uh, let's go to scope wizard. Boom. Uh, let's see light grass comparison. So we're doing a 10 inch to an eight. This is on our website. Um, a 10 inch quattro is going to give you about 60% more light gathering power than an eight inch or the quattro 200. So I don't know that that's really improving the view, if you will. Um, you are getting more resolution cause it's a larger mirror. Uh, but you are getting 60% more light. So if you're using it visually, that's a big difference. You would see the difference between an 8 and a 10 if you had them side by side. It's it's quite significant at that point. And honestly, the 10 inch is not that much bigger than the 8. Um, if you're doing it for imaging, um, your exposures are going to be the same because they're both f4. However, if you like the 800 millimeter focal length, of a Quattro 200 or the Quattro 8 inch, but you want to have that extra speed, you could buy a 10 inch Quattro, buy a Star Arizona Nexus coma corrector instead of buying ours, pop that in there. Now you have a 10 inch F3. That's 800 millimeter focal length, just like the smaller eight inch Quattro, but now you're at F3 and your light throughput's going to be way bigger um, at that point. Uh, Quite honestly, the 10 inch Quattro is kind of a sleeper in our lineup. Um, you don't see them that often in the wild, but it's a nice scope and it's not that much heavier and not that much bigger than the eight. The 300, the 12 inch is a freaking monster. Um, but the 10 inch, a lot of modern mounts can hold a 10 inch without a problem. So if you can swing the money, the 10 inch is an awfully nice telescope to have. Uh, let's see. Skywatcher planning to make APOs with built-in flatteners. Ah, the Petzivals. Um, we've experimented with Petzival refractors before. Um, when we were designing the Esprit series, there was a five-element Esprit 100. It's called an SFS 100. There is very few of those out in the wild. Um, there are some mechanical problems. We're not going to talk about it. Um, so it's something that we'd like to do. I know there's been conversations about doing a Petzival design. I haven't seen anything physically handed to me yet to try out, but it is something that we have discussed quite uh, in detail, but I, I don't have anything that says, here it is. Um, so nothing right now, just discussions on that. I think it'd be cool to do. It makes it a lot easier, but when you have multiple elements like that, it collimation is very tricky. Uh, when will Virtuoso 150s be back in stock on your answer? Uh, 
Virtuoso 150s will be back in stock in April and June are when shipments are coming in. Uh, that's also going to be the same for the Virtuoso 130s um, as well. So we had to get through the holidays and the launch stuff, the first initial shipments. By spring and early summer, a lot of inventory on some high demand stuff will hopefully ease up. I was worried we were going to finish this episode too early, but we are busy on questions today, which is good. Um, two questions. Uh, one, if I put a filter in front of any reducer flattener instead of the imaging trainer filter drawer, wouldn't that be better for dust motes, glare, reflections, and F ratio? Um, if I put the filter in front of any reducer instead of in the imaging train. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, if you put the filter in front of a reducer, I guess you wouldn't be as prone to getting dust on it um, because it's more sealed up inside the telescope. Dust is going to get in no matter what you do. You're going to have to take a flat frame to get rid of any of the vignetting or stuff like that that's going to happen. You're just flipping where the filter sits in the imaging train. It can either sit after the corrector and like a filter wheel or filter drawer and then the camera or sometimes depending on how the arrangement is done you can put the filter in front of the corrector and then it's filtering the light out before it gets to the corrector i don't think there's any wrong way to do it but if you don't disassemble your whole telescope then it's not a big deal however like i said dust is going to get on your optical system um and that are that is what flats are for flats get rid of vignetting and they get rid of dust motes inside of your your image and that's because dust and other particles land on your imaging train so just because your filter is sealed inside you can still get that vignetting and those dust bunnies if there's dust on the corrector optics or the filter in front of your sensor there's multiple ways to get dust in there and it will find a way to get in there no matter how clean it is. So I don't think it really matters where you put the filter, but I, I guess I could see, especially if you're shooting one shot color and you don't need to move your filters, then yeah, putting it in front of the corrector is an option. I personally like the filter drawers, like the star is on a filter slider. It's so much nicer than threading it on than having to take everything off. Cause you have to remember that, if you have a filter threaded on the front of your imaging train and you take that out to flip filters, thread the new filter on and then put that back, if you you have to take a new flat because you rotated your imaging train. So I like filter sliders or filter wheels because I don't want to disassemble my filter train at all. I just want to flip filters without disassembly. That way my flats aren't going to be as screwed up at that point. Uh, so hopefully that helps. That was kind of a long-winded answer. Uh, what's the best way to insert a filter for my EvoGuide 50 with flattener? Um, this is kind of a tricky subject if you're using our EvoGuide 50 flattener. The, oh, my camera decided to have mutiny against me. Um, the Skywatcher EvoGuide flattener doesn't have room to put a filter in it. Um, unfortunately, maybe they'll change that. That is actually one of the major advantages to the Star Arizona 
Star Arizona likes to make a lot of crazy accessories for our stuff. A, because we're friends with them, and they also own a lot of our stuff. Thanks, Scott and Steve. Um, they're always coming up with little problem-solving things. Um, so the Evo FF second edition that they currently sell at Star Arizona is designed in such a way to where it has more back focus. So you could actually put a filter wheel or a filter drawer or even a DSLR will fit on it. Uh, but you have more room to put filters in. So that's kind of a nice design feature. And at the nose piece, if you really need to, is threaded inch and a quarter so you can put a filter in front of it. Ours, at the moment, unfortunately, the way you do it, there's no way to put a filter in front of it. There's just not one there. I guess the only way you could actually do it is 3D print an adapter to put a 48 millimeter two inch filter in front of the objective of an Evo guide. That's the only way I could see that working with our current setup. Sorry, it's like that. But if using filters on your Evo guide as a flattener with a flattened system is important to you, I would really check out the Evo guide, F the Evo 50, Jesus, Evo FF from Star Arizona, their flattener. And they, I'm pretty sure they have them in stock. Call them up, ask. Uh, got a few more minutes here. For the EQM35, can you order a 130 PDS through North America? No. Um, we looked at bringing the 5-inch the F5 Newtonian into the United States. And when we were looking at that, that's when we found out about the development of the Quattro 150. We have no intention of bringing any of the F5 Newtonians into the U.S. or Canada at this point because the Quattros do all of that and they do it better uh, because they're faster for imaging. So if you want a 130, you're going to have to import it. But if you're importing stuff into the North American region, there's no warranty on that product through us. You have to be very knowledge about that, that. That's just how it is. So if you have an issue with that telescope, you have to deal with your distributor overseas to get that figured out. Um, there wasn't any need for us to bring in a 130 because our Quattro 150 was coming out. It comes with the corrector. It's the same focal length. It didn't make any sense for us to have two different Newtonian lines when most people are just using them for imaging anyway and the Quattros are going to win out because of their faster speed. That's the logic behind that. Uh, last question. Why are so many newts have spikes from mirror clips? It's not a good idea to make Newtonian without that problem. Um, uh, well, the mirror clips, obviously, are they have to be there or your mirror is going to fly out of the telescope. Um, I have had people make, I've seen some companies actually sell them. There's like a mask that you can install on a quattro cell that's like a metal or plastic ring you pull the cell out it's a mask that goes over the clips and it gets rid of the spikes from the clips um so it's kind of a cool thing um but it's not something that i currently have um access to show you someone just made it it was kind of neat um if you hate diffraction spikes um, there's a special type of mask that you can get for a Newtonian that will cover up the diffraction spikes. You'd have to talk to Star Arizona about that because I, they've 3D printed some of these for customers that I know. 
that are using Newtonians that hate diffraction spikes, um, but they want the aperture and the speed of a Newtonian. So there's ways to get rid of it, but if you don't like them, you're going to have to make some kind of mass to get rid of those uh, spikes caused by the clips. Woo! Okay, I don't see any more questions. That was a lot of questions. Um, so that's pretty much it. That's the end of our episode. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. So is the rest of the Skywatcher team. Uh, next week, we are talking about preparing for star parties. It's the beginning of the year. There's all kinds of cool events coming out. We're going to be at a couple of those events this year. So we'll be talking about which ones we're going to, at least that we know of right now. And then kind of our approach on how to prepare for a big star party like that. So that's our episode for next week. Uh, if you like what you see here at the Skywatcher What's Up webcast, please leave a like subscribe to our channel. We really appreciate it. Good luck on your totem stuff and uh, please have a good weekend. Um, so clear skies to y'all. Take care and we will talk to you next Friday. See ya. Bye.